Next, this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. Throughout this month, ReachMD welcomes an array of experts to explore developments in neuroscience and mental health. The ketogenic diet has been used as a therapy for refractory epilepsy in children since the 1920s. It was only recently, however, that a randomized controlled study confirmed it to be effective in reducing seizures. Is there a role for the ketogenic diet as first-line therapy for epilepsy? Which patients stand to benefit the most from this diet, and what are some of its potential adverse effects? I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Chu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Douglas Nordley, Associate Professor of Neurology and Pediatrics at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. Dr. Nordley is also the Lorna and James Langdon Chair of Pediatric Epilepsy and Director of the Epilepsy Center at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago. Welcome, Dr. Nordley. Well, thanks very much for having me. Now, can you start by telling us what is the ketogenic diet? Sure. The ketogenic diet is a very simple formula. It is a mixture of heavy or a large concentration of fat and relatively small concentration of protein and carbohydrate. It's a special diet that was formulated in the 1920s, as you were saying, and was found very quickly to have a major impact on control of seizures, and particularly in certain individuals. And how might it work to control seizures? There are probably many mechanisms of actions similar to effective medications. Some of these mechanisms include raising the cerebral energy reserves, meaning that the brain has more energy to fend off seizures. It it requires energy to reduce the likelihood of seizures, to raise the seizure threshold, and to power all the pumps that maintain those electrical and chemical gradients in our brains. So the, the higher energy reserves that the ketogenic diet bestows is probably one important factor. But other factors probably relate to the neurochemistry of the brain and the differences that occur when you enter into a ketotic state. And others have been looking at functions of the mitochondria and the uncoupling proteins. There are several speculations about perhaps even the inherent anti-epileptogenic effect of the ketone bodies themselves. And some experiments have indicated that ketone bodies by themselves are anti-epileptic chemicals. So many different possibilities to explain why it might work. What about the observational or anecdotal evidence of the efficacy of a ketogenic diet for seizures up until now? It had been considerable, uh, spanning something like 70 years, almost 80 years actually. And yet, as you and I know, that as impressive as anecdotal evidence is, Nowadays, we like to really see something more than that. We like to see controlled studies, particularly if if possible, randomized controlled studies to show clear efficacy. So what can you tell us about the recent study by Dr. Elizabeth Neal and colleagues, which was published in Lancet Neurology? Well, this was a landmark study in that regard, that it had taken all this time to have the first truly randomized control trial of the ketogenic diet. This was a study that was published in Lancet, as you said, in 2008, in June, and analyzed 145 children between 2 and 16 years of age. And these children were randomized to treatment on the ketogenic diet or just maintaining their current anti-epileptic regimen. And after three months, there was a dramatic difference in the baseline seizures in the diet group compared to the control group. There was actually 
an increase in seizures in the control group. So overall, there's a 62% mean percentage reduction of baseline seizures in the diet group versus 136.9% in the control. Now, would this study change the way we practice now, or is it really confirming that the use of the ketogenic diet for epilepsy is actually a pretty good thing? Both. I think it's confirming that the ketogenic diet is a good thing. And I think in this day and age where we are forced to examine all the things that we do, particularly with an, as an eye towards the benefit, the cost-benefit, this is a very important piece of information um, telling us that, yes, this diet is effective and it can markedly reduce seizures in individuals, proving that effect. And so when we go to justify some of the expenses of initiating and maintaining the diet expenses really from the healthcare standpoint, we have this information to fall back on and say, no, it's not just speculated benefit, it's a proven benefit. For those of us that were practicing just as you know, based on, well, we, we think this is the best treatment, it probably won't radically alter that approach because in the ensuing 80 years, we've figured out good ways of using the ketogenic diet and we've learned patient characteristics that would help us to predict who might be good responders. So who might be good responders for the ketogenic diet? One, one clue to potential good responder for the ketogenic diet is the presence of myoclonic seizures. These are those lightning-fast jerks that one might see. In general, patients with myoclonic epilepsy seem to do disproportionately well. There have been smaller publications looking at the role of the ketogenic diet in several forms of myoclonic epilepsy, including severe myoclonic epilepsy of infancy, also known as Dravet syndrome, where it was shown to be effective, and also in myoclonic astatic epilepsy as described by DOZA. This is a form of epilepsy, myoclonic astatic epilepsy, that may resemble to some people Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, but there's a very important distinction. In myoclonic astatic epilepsy, children are usually normal prior to the onset of the seizures, whereas in Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, there's very often some antecedent symptomatic neurological condition. So those are two important ones, but it's not restricted to that. Eric Kossoff at Johns Hopkins and others have shown that there are other forms of epilepsy, including perhaps infantile spasms that might respond well to the ketogenic diet. So those are some important clues for potential good responders to the diet, but there are some cases where the diet may be considered even first-line treatment. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Douglas Nordley, the Lorna and James Langdon Chair of Pediatric Epilepsy and Director of the Epilepsy Center at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago. We're discussing the role of the ketogenic diet in childhood epilepsy. You're talking about the ketogenic diet as possibly having a role as first-line therapy for epilepsy. Are you saying that it might be used instead of or in addition to some other anticonvulsant drugs? Most often we use it after a few anti-epileptic drugs have failed. That's a typical use. But we've learned that there are some conditions where it should probably be used as the first-line treatment. And if you think about how the diet works, it basically substitutes ketone bodies as a source of fuel for the brain for glucose. So if you can imagine a situation where the brain might not be getting adequate glucose on a regular basis or 
there's some defect in the brain's ability to handle glucose, then you could speculate that the diet might be very effective in that circumstance. That is to provide some alternative fuel for brain function. And so those are two very good examples where the ketogenic diet would be first-line treatment. The, the first might be glucose transporter protein defect. And this is a, or deficiency state. This is also known as DeVivo disease to some, recognizing Daryl DeVivo's uh, seminal contributions to this, uh, describing this condition and characterizing it. But in this condition, children are born with a limited ability to move glucose into the brain. There's a defect with the transporter system that normally shuttles glucose into the brain. So they're chronically seeing low levels of glucose in their CSF, and as a result, they're predisposed to developmental delays and seizures. In this disorder, the ketogenic diet is remarkably effective. It provides alternative fuel. And a second one would be a defect in pyruvate dehydrogenase, the enzyme that takes pyruvate into the TCA cycle. And in that circumstance, people have a deficient ability to use glucose. So the ketogenic diet there again provides an alternative fuel of ketone bodies so that the brain can utilize those directly for its major fuel source. And in that circumstance, the ketogenic diet is also remarkably effective and is considered first-line treatment. We have initiated patients with that disorder as early as six weeks of age on the ketogenic diet. And how soon might you expect to see positive results of the ketogenic diet in reducing seizures? In the circumstances where there's a deficiency of providing glucose or, or its utilization, you see effects very dramatically within several days. In the, in the most typical circumstance, you'll see a beneficial response somewhere in the course typically of weeks. We recently published an article in conjunction with our colleagues at Johns Hopkins in examining how long does it take to see a beneficial effect in the diet in people who are ultimately going to respond. And our conclusion was that two months is an adequate trial. That it, in the vast majority of responders, you'll see clearly positive benefit within two months of initiation. And how long would you need to continue using the ketogenic diet to prevent seizures? It's often used like we would any other therapy. So what we will tell parents is, to think about committing for a minimum of two months of use of the ketogenic diet, and then if it's successful and if seizures are markedly controlled or completely controlled, that we often plan to treat for a year or two years beyond the last seizure and then taper off the treatment, in this case, the ketogenic diet. So you could be talking about several years of, of use of the ketogenic diet, which is why it's very important for it to be monitored closely and in, with personnel that, that are aware of its potential side effects so that it's, it's watched, the side effects are monitored very closely. So what side effects are we looking for and how often does a patient need to be monitored? Bothersome side effects that can be in, that are more maybe in the category of annoying are, are common. Things like either stools that are too loose or more frequently uh, constipation because of the decreased bulk is probably one of the commonest issues. But important chronic issues that you can see with the diet are failure of maintaining weight high percentile, getting excessively acidotic, or the effect of that chronic acidosis on bone health. And less frequent but important things to look out for are, and this is quite rare, but would be a very dangerous pancreatitis, 
Some people believe that you may have a predisposition to infections. And lastly, you will sometimes see people who just become very strikingly lipemic. And sometimes this is just a temporary condition. We can back off on the diet and then they'll recover and we can and we can go back to using the diet as we had previously. So for all these things, we like to see patients one month after the start of the ketogenic diet and then at three-month intervals. During these visits, we check their weight height percentiles very carefully. We, of course, take a careful history about the tolerance of the diet and effect on the seizure control. And then we do screening lab tests looking to see the blood urea nitrogen as a measure of adequacy of protein. We'll also check the CO2 to make sure that the individual is not too acidotic. We'll look at the complete blood count to make sure that they're getting adequate vitamins and nutrients in terms of looking at their blood indices. And finally, we'll look at the liver function profile as well as cholesterol to monitor the impact on those parameters. Having said all that, most people can be very safely managed, and we believe that all children should maintain their weight height percentiles, that it's, we don't consider it successful to have good seizure control at the expense of a reduction in the weight height percentile. We like to go by the ideal body weight based upon the individual's height, and we like to see that maintained throughout the course of the treatment. Now, it took almost 90 years before a randomized controlled study was performed to see how effective the ketogenic diet actually is. How can we get information about effective treatment strategies for epilepsy in a more timely fashion? This is something that's really been preoccupying me. I'm concerned that it, just as you're saying, that it's taken us so long to get this information. How can we possibly move forward more quickly? And for my own mind, I think a good strategy would be for us to collect data in a similar fashion across across many institutions and, and ideally across uh, many different countries. And the idea would be to create registries that would track children with specific epilepsy syndromes and in some cases even with specific etiologies and then to study their response to certain treatments. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Douglas Nordley. We've been discussing the role of the ketogenic diet in childhood epilepsy. I'm Dr. Jennifer Hsu, ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry. For downloadable podcasts of all the programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series Focus on Neurology and Psychiatry.